Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. Today I'm joined by Chris Beekler, who is going to tell us about monetizing his expertise by building courses for developers instead of doing contract work. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me. Can you start off by telling folks a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. So I've been a uh, web designer and developer for about 20 years now. Uh, I've worked predominantly with startups, barring a short stint with Comcast that proved that 60,000 person companies were not my scene. <laughs> uh, and I've worked for companies like Games by Industries, OkCupid, the dating site, um, also some smaller startups uh, local to my area in Rhode Island, such as Vault Server and Datarista, which are newer and smaller than those previous two. Um, I started out in the design side, uh, doing a lot of work in Photoshop and a lot of HTML and eventually CSS uh, when that rolled around. Uh, and slowly transitioned over the course of my career to being almost entirely a JavaScript developer. I still like to design and work in HTML and CSS, but uh, most of the work I've done for at least the last six or seven years has been JavaScript. Very cool. JavaScript's eating the world, right? So yeah. <laughs> it's probably a smart place to be. Oh, cool. So can you kind of, you know, you did, you, you did this sort of uh, contract work. How did, you, how did you price your work? How did you bill? Was it like an hourly thing when you, back when you were doing that? Uh, I have always, uh, in the past build hourly, there have been periods throughout the, the 20 year career where I have taken on either additional work while working a, a full-time job or, uh, in between full-time jobs done freelance. And then, uh, for about a year and a half previous to starting my current thing, I was just doing contract and freelance work. And I was billing hourly for that entire time and was mainly acquiring contacts through people I knew either in the local Rhode Island scene or people I've worked with in the past. Gotcha. Okay. And, and did you, uh, I'm guessing that you either didn't like that or you thought you were going to like training or creating classes more than that. So what was the kind of genesis of that switch? It was a, a kind of combination of things. I, I didn't mind the hourly development work. Uh, certainly you can make a perfectly reasonable living doing that. Um, I think what it came down to for me is for one thing I've Having worked at so many startups, I always wanted to take a stab at running my own. Uh, but I decided I didn't want to put together a business plan and go out and try to uh, take on a bunch of investment and immediately lose control of my company and all that kind of thing. So since I had been lucky enough to have a couple of exits with a few of the startups I've worked for, I had some savings available to me, which gave me some runway to just build my own thing. Uh, and the reason I chose my site closebrace.com with the training is that, um, in 2013, I had released a couple of Node.js tutorials just really to give something back to the community and to, you know, pad the resume a little bit. Mm -hmm. And they really picked up, they got, uh, a lot of links and a lot of activity on Twitter and everywhere else and started seeing fairly significant traffic. And I found that I really enjoyed writing the uh, writing the tutorials and also that I was enjoying working with people and helping them learn. Uh, it's a, a really good feeling to have somebody get through to the end and be like, this was awesome. It really taught me something. Uh, so when I was sort of casting about looking for like, okay, what do I, I, I have this runway, I can do my own business. What do I want to do? The, uh, the thing that felt the most natural to me out of a whole bunch of different ideas I was considering was, uh, doing some sort of training. All right, great. So then, so boom, you, you start closebrace.com and I'm curious if people, I'm sure there are people in the audience who are billing by the hour, they're doing contract work. Probably most people are doing that sort of a, sort of a gig. 
and probably like you do enjoy sort of teaching their craft to either you know people who are newer to it maybe intro people or maybe they're maybe they're super duper expert and they can teach advanced concepts and do all sorts of different kind of training things but you're specifically doing an online video training it's not in-person stuff correct uh, that's correct for for now it's just online uh, full text and video Great. And, and what can I'm curious for people who are perhaps thinking that, oh, man, that sounds pretty cool. Like, I, I would kind of like to do that, too. What what can you tell people? What are some tips that you could give them if they were thinking about putting together their first video training course? So I've learned an absolute ton in the uh, it's slightly more than a year since I launched Close Brace. Uh, a lot of it has been things not to do, uh, but a lot of it has been things that definitely worked. Uh, a few of the areas that I would really hammer on if somebody was saying, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to create a course. What, what are the, the pitfalls to avoid? Um, one of the things I did not do with my first big course was pay much attention to version locking all of the third party modules, uh, and software that I was using, which led to the early parts of the course falling out of date before I had even finished the whole thing, I was releasing it, uh, two tutorials a week for, for several weeks, several months, in fact. Um, so what I ended up doing was going back to the entire course and going like, okay, it's far more important that a user can get through from, from tutorial one to tutorial 60 or whatever, and have a working project the entire time. Uh, than it is that they're working with the absolute latest cutting edge versions of any particular module. Uh, it's much easier, I think, for somebody to get through and have finished the, the course and actually hopefully at that point understand what they've built and how this stuff works. Then you can start upgrading your modules and like, oh, that broke something. Okay, let's figure out what it is. And 90% of the time, it's like two or three lines of changes to get yourself back to working mode. But you have to have the foundation to actually be able to do that. If you don't have the foundation, then every time that breaks, it's you're left just in the dark. Uh, so definitely, definitely lock your versions. Just pick a version that you're going to support and don't tell people, uh, for anybody listening who's familiar with the Node ecosystem, for example, don't just do NPM install and the module name with no version attached because you're going to end up with a course that goes out of date extremely rapidly and ends up breaking for people. Mm, yeah, that's so frustrating for uh, someone who's trying to learn, you know, and especially in this particular course, this is, I, I think you're talking about five minute react, right? That's correct. Right. And, and the, the thing that's interesting about this course to me is that it, it touches on not just react. It's not just a straightforward, like, you know, to do app. It's like, uh, it's not like a toy. It's like the whole stack. So you're touching on, at least, I don't know, five or six different technologies, right? So like, could you, can you kind of contextualize that for people, maybe tell a story about something that broke before you used version locking? Sure, absolutely. So that's, you're correct about 5-Minute React. It's a, it's a full stack tutorial. Uh, you build an entire API using Express, MongoDB, uh, and then you talk to it with a React JS front end. You use Redux for state management. There's a lot of moving parts that actually doesn't even cover everything. There's also Webpack and Jest testing and a whole bunch of other things. Um, one of the things that broke pretty quickly was uh, the very latest version of Express. If you use their generator program, it sort of scaffolds out a very basic Express app for you to, to get started with. 
uh, in the tutorial, we do that. And then I go through the every line of code that is generated and tell you what's happening. Uh, the problem is, is that after like four years of them not touching this at all, right after I finished the course, they released an update to that generator app that changes the code that it generates. <laughs> so it, the timing was just amazing. Um, mm. So I was getting people going like, I'm getting these errors about including modules that don't exist anymore and that kind of thing. And I took a look at it and they had basically taken parts of the core functionality of the web server and made them optional instead of mandatory, mm -hmm. uh, which is great for more flexibility and everything else. But it wrecked all of the code that I was telling people to write. So uh, what I did was went ahead and said, you know what, we're not going to. We're not going to rewrite this and re-record the videos right now. We're going to stick to the initial version because, again, when I looked at when I compared the two, if you want to upgrade to the new version of Express, it's not really that many changes that you have to make, but you need to understand how Express works before you can easily make them. Um, so that was a specific example of of something breaking almost immediately after I finished the course. That was uh, kind of frustrating, but yeah, I. I often I'm quoted saying I'm never writing another book with a version number in the title. It, it's yeah. like doing a, it, it, it's, it's like, as soon as you get finished with this big project, you know, if the software changes out from underneath you, it's like, oof. And I suppose, I suppose actually keeping a version number in the title is better than not, because at least, you know, the book is about this particular version of, you know, whatever for me, right. it would be like some mobile thing or like phone gap or FileMaker or something. But just the, the pain of finishing this, you know, six month long project and then the thing that you wrote about is changing faster than it, it's almost like the 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 software itself changes faster than the documentation can keep up. Yes. And doing this, I, I think that's great, like being able to do the version locking uh certainly in my a couple of later books, I did the same thing because from earlier examples exactly like you're saying you know it's like people are, are emailing me with oh this the code sample in the book is broken it's like man there's no update in a book right you know and to to be able to go back in a time machine and just put the version numbers in there in the code not the title but in the code it would be oh it would have been fabulous so that's yeah. i heartily agree that's great advice it really worked and i think you know the truth of the matter is with most of this stuff you, like I said before, you don't have to be on the bleeding edge. You, you need to learn the core concepts, and the core concepts don't train, don't change as frequently as sort of the implementation of it. So they may make a few tweaks, like with Express, where they've uh, they've modularized a few pieces of the app, but the way Express works is still exactly the same as Express has worked for the entire time that I've been using it. So at least five years. That kind of that kind of core knowledge is, I think, the most important thing to learn. Uh, and that's my goal with my courses is to get people to a point where they, to a point where they can really claim, I know this, I know how to code in this and I can now move forward and build more or something else instead of having to just build, uh, whatever the tutorial tells me to build. Right. So building more of an understanding and worrying less. I mean, obviously I'm sure there are tons and tons of very specific details, but sure. keeping it on the bleeding edge at all times doesn't, I, I feel like it doesn't really add that much value, you know, like I said, having done courses and books in the past, like keeping on the bleeding edge for people that are just learning it is almost counterproductive. Agreed. What are some other, you know, landmines that you could point out for people who are thinking about this? 
So another really, uh, really big one for me and one that I'm applying uh, specifically to the next course I'm working on, which is going to be a React Native course, uh, build your app first. If your course is having people build an entire functioning app, build the whole thing first, get it running in as bulletproof as you can get it with a reasonable amount of time and testing. Uh, because if you don't, you will end up doing what I did, which is being maybe like two steps ahead of whatever tutorial you're writing and recording at the time. And you will routinely and repeatedly break your own app and have to basically include fixing whatever you broke in your tutorials. Um, that doesn't happen too often in five minute react because I was, uh, I had a padding uh, of about two weeks. So I was recording three to four tutorials ahead of what I was posting, which meant that a couple of times I broke something and was able to actually go back and re-record, rewrite and re-record. Uh, but that's also frustrating and obviously a huge waste of time. Uh, it's much better to just have a plan, have an app that you know works, and then teach people how to build that rather than sort of having an idea for the app and knowing how you want to pursue it, but not actually having ever done it until you're recording the tutorials. Um, that was a that was a big one for me, uh, a mistake I made once and will absolutely not make again. So with the React Native course, I'm uh, currently building uh, a really simple app. I mean, you don't want to go crazy because then you end up with a course that's way too long, but you want to have something finished before you start writing. And I do think in general with course writing, you want to have as complete an app as you can get in terms of people want to have something that once they've finished the course, they can be like, wow, look at all this stuff that this does. Right. Yeah. I've had a, I've had a similar experience in even just something as simple as, you know, get to chapter five of a book and realize, oh man, I really should have used a different name for this variable because now it's starting to get confusing because it's colliding with a word that I'm using in the narrative. Yes. You know, yep. it, just from an educational standpoint, it starts to sound confusing because I didn't think through the, what, what the, I didn't build out the final app. I kind of started and just, just wrote the book as I wrote the app mm -hmm. and stumbled into all sorts of problems that caused me to have to go back and, and sort of reopen what were formerly completed chapters, which means going back through editorial and all this other stuff. And it's, um, you know, it's a different kind of pain than doing a video, of course, but man, there are a lot of people involved with like an O'Reilly book. There's all these, there's multiple editors oh, sure. and yep. everybody's schedules and all of that stuff. And it's, uh, you're trying to write new chapters and you're editing old chapters and you can't, you can't even remember what version is the right one. And, oh man. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I could not agree more. Like I heartily agree. Build so the thing that you're going to teach people how to build, do build the whole thing first because you're going to, uh, you'll probably not think of lots of things um, in advance. Like you're, you know, it doesn't matter how smart you are. You're going to be building the thing be like, oh, you know what? I should make this, I should make this variable name plural, or I should say users instead of people or people instead of users or something because it's, it's going to cause uh, something, or, yeah, confusion yeah. or like overly complex, you know, sort of like jumping through hoops later in the book when the application gets more and more complicated. Uh, yeah, it, it's, um, again, big plus one, totally agree with that. Build, build the thing first and then go back and create the educational materials around that thing. 
Yeah, I mean, I spent uh, at least an hour today working on methods that I kept renaming over and over again, trying to get sort of the best set of method names that actually are describing what's happening correctly. Um, and that's the kind of thing that when I was doing five minute react, there was a lot more of like, well, kind of locked into this now, you know, we, we wrote this code 20 tutorials ago. I can't really go back and have people be just rewriting all of it. It, That's not what people want to do. Um, so, you know, with this, I can, I can do that kind of tweaking and get it really logical and making sense and then just have it set and ready to go when I go to write the tutorials. Yeah. So, cause yeah, it's funny cause I never thought about it like this, but you just, you talking about it made me realize like it prevents you from refactoring. So, mm-hmm. because a lot of times that's a great example. Cause I've that, had that same thing where I start off with an empty JavaScript file and I say, Oh, we're going to call this, you know, show dialogue or whatever. And later I've got a whole bunch of other, you know, I've broken that into maybe three different, three different functions and yep. I've added 10 other ones and now all of a sudden the name I used originally doesn't make sense or it's blurry or confusing in the new context because it kind of is the name of a, what a different function does or mm-hmm. and you you just you're kicking yourself because you're like oh if I had only called it the final name originally it wouldn't it would have made just as much sense then it would make a lot more sense now yep mm, cool what else what else can you warn people about so another another uh, really good one with five minute react is uh, keep it simple, uh, which is good advice for a whole variety of things. But what I'm talking about in this particular instance is if you think that you, for example, want to write a tutorial about full stack development and you want to have people build an entire API and build an entire React front end for it, uh, that's two tutorials. That's two courses is what I mean, not individual tutorials like by putting all of that into a single course, for one thing, it took me a lot of time to actually get all the courses out. I was doing two a week, uh, sorry, all the tutorials out, and I was doing two a week, and man, it ran for months and months. Uh, there ended up being 84 total tutorials, which is insane. Um, there, part of the issue there also is, the, is in the name. 5-Minute React gives a an indication that these videos are not going to be super long and the vast majority of them do fall under six minutes. There are a couple that go a little long either because I'm showing uh, how to do something both on OS X and on Windows or just because certain topics and certain uh, code, it just makes no sense to break it up into two tutorials. It's like, look, let's just take the extra two minutes to finish this and get something working rather than splitting it up. Um, but putting the the five minute limitation on myself and then also being like, all right, we're going to build the whole API. We're going to do database. We're going to do setup. We're going to do all this stuff. Uh, five minute react very definitely should have been at least two courses. And it's just not a great idea to, I won't say bite off more than you can chew because I did chew my way through it, but it, it just was a tremendous amount of, of stuff to cover. So if you think, if you, think at all that there's a possibility that you might have two courses, then you definitely already have two courses. Because if you're, if you're even thinking about it, you, you haven't even thought about all the stuff that you're actually going to need to teach. There will be things that come up as you're building the, uh, as you're building the app, as you're building the tutorials and everything else where you're like, Oh, right. I have to cover this. So if you're planning for 30 tutorials, you're probably going to do 40. And if you're planning for 60, you're probably going to do 80 plus, uh, so definitely think about like, hey, could I split this up into multiple courses? 
would it multiple courses actually be less intimidating for a user? I think uh, people come to five minute react and I've tried to make it really clear, like, Hey, these are short and very clear. And we cover everything in detail. I never give people code without explaining what it does. Uh, and still, I think people look at 84 videos and go like, Ooh, I don't know about that. Um, so, you know, I, I've gotten plenty of people who've taken the course and love it. So obviously it's not completely intimidating, but, uh, I'm sure there are people who look at it and are concerned about that. So that would be another piece of advice. Definitely, definitely, definitely keep it simple. Awesome. Well, I'm sure that's, uh, well, I hope that's helpful to people in the audience. I know I would have been, I would have benefited quite a bit from that if I had that kind of advice before <laughs> I did some of my books, which are, feels like a long time ago now, but man, I remember it clear as day having to go back and rewrite chapters because I didn't have the whole app done yet. And, yep. oh man, uh, cool. All right. Well, this has been super helpful. I, I hope folks have benefited from this. Where can people find out more about you and Close Brace? Uh, the best place to go is closebrace.com. If you want to go specifically for five minute react, you can go to five minute react.com. You can also find your way there through the close brace site. And additionally, I've put together, and this, this is totally free, a express JS cheat sheet. So if you happen to work with express and uh, want a command reference, uh, you can go to expressjscheatsheet.com and get that. Additionally, I put out a tutorial every week in a series called JS quick hits. Those ones are totally free also, and they're uh, just short tutorials covering. Mostly I've been focusing on the new stuff that's been introduced in the last couple of years with ES6, aka ES2015. Uh, you know, the most recent one was talking about uh, JavaScript promises, and then we're going to talk this uh, Friday about async await and how that works with promises. So, uh, But I've also covered some new array methods and how to use the new let and const variables and all kinds of stuff. So that's available. It's in my newsletter every week. And then it comes out on the site five days later. Cool. That sounds great. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Chris. Thank you very much for having me. That's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. I hope you join us again next time for Ditching Hourly. Bye. If you'd like to learn more about how to ditch hourly billing, please go to valuepricingbootcamp.com to sign up for my free email course. Again, that URL is valuepricingbootcamp.com. Thanks. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one -on -one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call, you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one -on -one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com slash call, C-A-L-L. -L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com slash call. Hope to see you there.